I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. Mom, mom, mom. Hey everyone, good evening. Hi. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you now, this is gonna be an interactive night. Please yes. laugh, have fun, get ready with questions. Nothing is off topic. Uh, my name is Elise. I am the host and founder of Cool Moms Podcast and Community Platform, which some of you may know, some of you might just be in the room. Welcome. I started Cool Moms because, hmm, I was 29 and I was pregnant and I was living in New York and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and none of my friends had children and I was really, really terrified that I wasn't going to be cool anymore, that I was going to lose a sense of self um, in having a child, which many of you probably have been there if you do have a child, if you're a new mom, a seasoned mother. It is um, such a transformative time. So in that, I said, all right, let me go talk to some people. Let me go seek the counsel of women that I really admire and that I respect and... That really was kind of the inception of Cool Moms. It, those conversations really served as the blueprint for the podcast. Uh, I hadn't listened to any podcasts when I started the podcast, but it seemed like a good idea. So <laughs> three seasons later, we have transcended time and space. Beautiful. And, right? Yes. Um, we have listeners internationally, and I'm incredibly proud of how this community has grown. And I'm really excited to be here at Soha House. We will be here monthly doing live recordings with really dynamic women, mamas, people, people who have children who identify as women. And <laughs> so, yes, tonight, um, my very Hello. first guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, so my name is Samia Rosine. I am a LA native. I'm a mother. I'm an herbalist. I am a farmsteader, you know. Wait, I a farm could, what? You know, there's like a homesteader and I just, I don't really identify with that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So I call, I've coined the term farmsteader. <laughs> I'm like, I like it. Know, we, we're working on the land. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just, it's so hard to kind of come up with these terms of who you are when we are multidimensional, multifaceted spirits. So I'm just, I'm just a living being trying to feed two mouths, almost three, and grow some food at the same time. Like. <laughs> so I'm, I'm incredibly excited for us to jump in. Uh, before we dive in, if, how many people are familiar with Cool Moms have listened to the podcast once or two? We have, a, we have a cool mom. When we, all of y'all are cool moms who are mothers. If you're here, you're pretty fucking cool because you made it. But Gina Kim, who was formerly on Cool Moms, is here, which I'm so excited about. Welcome, Gina. Um, I, every podcast, do like a This Week in Motherhood, where I kind of riff off of the things that have been happening in my life that week. And so I said I was going to like prepare this whole monologue of what's been happening, but I was busy. I got really busy this week and I was very tired mm -hmm. and I'm really coming out of my little depressive slump. Mm -hmm. um, I felt it. Right? Mm. And so I didn't do it, but I do want to tell you all a little bit about my week and something that really was kind of funny that happened. Today I was painting my nails and I started crying 
And I haven't cried and painted my nails since I was like 15 years old. <laughs> and I don't know if I've ever done that. <laughs> it's like... That's really a moment. <laughs> it's a moment. It is like my so-called life. It was so angsty. It was... Uh, I was at the kitchen table and really I realized that I was overwhelmed because... I mean... Because, because being a mother is overwhelming. I because, mean, hello. I mean, and then existing in the midst of, of the, the state of affairs that we're living in. But also, I realized that I was Kris Jenner without Kris Jenner money. And I was like, how the hell did I get here? And I say that because my child is such a wonderful, just starseed light beam fucking superstar. And I have now taken on managing his career because he has a career because he's a Capricorn and he's going to be four on Saturday. So he obviously has a career because he's got a life. He's got a life. And I was like, how am I managing your career, chasing your checks, following up on your invoices? And then I'm doing the same for myself. Like, I don't have the capacity to do this anymore. So... A lot of, I just want to share that note because for me, my intention for this year, the new year is really important for me, really just because I believe in setting intention. And my intention for this year was to streamline my life. How do I bring more ease into all of my relationships, all of my affairs? So for for the Kris Jenner side of me, that looked like get an agent. Like, let it go. You live in LA. You have a kid that is a star. Get a uh, fucking agent. Get an just, agent and do girl, it. Girl, just get an agent. Uh, just, we're there. The yeah, meeting is next know. week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, like, I'll deal with it. Be How much do I? Okay, that's okay, settled. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Done. So we're doing that. Um, outside of that, I, I'm single. Then there's that. Then there's that. Sometimes that's like such a blessing and that's really, really exciting. Um, Other times when it's like the third time that I've charged my vibrator in a week, I'm like, what is your your life? (laughs) I I had um, this weird existential moment where I thought about if I die, is my home clean? Who's going to come in here? What will someone see? Who's going to find me? So I, I hit my friend, Elle, who's also Cool Mom's producer, and who's watching my child right now. Thank you, Elle. I love you so much. And, <laughs> and I was just like, all right, girl, if something happens to me, like, hide all my stuff. Hide all anything that's weird. Just get my house together before they come get me. And she was like, so you want me to hide your vibrator? And I was like, yeah, because it's always on the bed. <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, all in all, that's been my week in motherhood. It's been an existential crisis of like getting a will together, redefining terms of being a momager and redefining what it means to um, spend time alone, raise a child alone and having to make so many decisions in a day, in a week, not just for me, before another human who has a career and a life, evidently. So, like, that's that's kind of been my week. Well, you made it. I made it! And now we're here. And you're glowing. Thank you. And the last email I got before I got here was, it will be deposited tomorrow. And I was like, fab. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, that's all. <laughs> that's all I want to hear. So, <laughs> if you listen to Cool Moms, then you know 
all podcasts start with the same question, which is, what is your sign and what does that mean to you? Oh, God. (laughs) And give me as kooky, long, or short of an answer as you would like. So I am by accident a cancer. I'm supposed to be a Leo, so I'm like a Leo cancer. I'm just emotional. I was going to say you are a cancer. (laughs) For multiple dimensions on multiple, like, lifetimes. So that, it's, it's heavy and it's deep, but it's also, like, my magic. So it's fun. Every day is new, you know. This pregnancy, I've been crying for everything. Just, just full-on tears. Just, I'm like... To the point where I'm like, girl, you are crying. (laughs) (laughs) It is not that serious, you know? Nothing is that serious. I'm allowing the waters to flow through me. I'm not trying to dam it up. I'm not trying to slow it down. I'm allowing whatever transformation that needs to take place, take place, basically. And I feel like being pregnant, yay for us pregnant people who can get pregnant, that's, it's a magical gift that we don't, we only get for nine months and then it goes away, <laughs> you know? And it's like, sometimes I don't know if this is my last pregnancy. So I'm like really been sitting in that cosmic space as, I don't know, as whatever, however that sounds, you know, it dropping into that cosmic space and really living into that and kind of creating from that space before it's gone. So that's what being a cancer for me is like the deep, 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 deep waters, like the deep shit, you know? Oh, the deep shit. I'm going to, I'm going to preface this now by telling y'all we have a Scorpio (laughs) and a cancer up here. So if you think we're not going to talk about emotions, this shit is about to get (laughs) emotional. All right. Um, But my moon is Scorpio. So I'm, but my moon is Aries. So, uh, so like, then I'm ready to fight. I love an Aries energy because that's my Leo, and I'm like, ooh, I love fire. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Show me. My Gemini is what y'all all met today because that's my bubbly. I'm a people person, but then my Scorpio and Aries is like, oh, leave me alone. I'll fight you. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm really excited because I'll tell you, I one, I really feel deep in my powers of manifestation, one that we're here, because this is a moment that I really feel like I manifested for a multitude of reasons. Uh, One of which being, I remember reading a post of yours that was like incredibly personal and vulnerable. And I was like, damn, I would never put that on Instagram. I love, (laughs) no, I love that you shared that because who really cares about our hashtag ads except for us, because we got to get a check. So uh, what I want to kind of start um, with that particular post. And in that post, you were talking about your relationship with your mother, which feels kind of apropos to start here. And it was this really incredible, powerful image of your mother and you when you were a toddler. And it started off by saying, like, that was the last time that you had seen your mother. And so I would love for us to kind of discuss and lay the foundation of what your example or lack thereof of motherhood is and how you were able to build from there? (laughs) Easy. (laughs) So first, the reason why I made that face when you said that is because when I go back 
like I recently went back and read that post. I'm like, ooh, girl, you really, you really posted that? <laughs> when did you write this? Like, who are you? You know, it was, I, I was, it was great because I was feeling drawn and feeling vulnerable. And I think that a beautiful thing about being human and one of the most sacred things that we can share is story time, is storytelling. And every experience is a story worth telling. So I, I don't know. I didn't grow up in this like telling of everything age. We're not talking about age here, but you know, so I didn't know other people who didn't grow up without a mom. I mean, and especially in LA where I was raised by my father who, you know, as a young black man to raise a daughter is also very rare. You don't ever see that. So I felt like I didn't identify with anyone. And you know, my dad, you know. (laughs) Okay, bless his soul. I'm telling on him. My dad was like an OG, KC around here. So it wasn't very, I couldn't be very femme around him. I couldn't get that motherly nurturing that I need. He gave me the daddy nurture. He's like, all right, it's okay because you could just fight him. And I'm like, I don't want to fight anybody. I just want to talk about it. Like, <laughs> right, that my feelings are hurt, <laughs> you know? So I think to answer your question, you know, I felt like Growing up without that feminine energy, although I had it in my grandma and my aunties, it still wasn't permanent, right? And I still felt alone. I, did, I still didn't feel that motherly nurture that we all seek. So I just compartmentalized that and just learned from people that I saw, that I got that energy from. It could have been a stranger. It could have been in a movie. It could have been overlooking at the line in Target. Like, if I felt that energy of, like, true, like, nurturing motherhood deep down in the bones, I would kind of, like, screen grab that moment and be like, oh, okay, I want to be a mother like that, or I want to step up to that situation like that, or I want to hand... You know, it's, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast, and he was talking about epigenetics and motherhood and the importance of the womb. You know, we get our genealogical impressions in the placenta, like they can read it in placentas, which is so stellar and so cosmic, like that's so beyond this world. So, sorry, I uh, lost track of what I was saying. We're taking Snapchats, yeah. snapshots of motherhood and femininity. Yeah, so, exactly. So motherhood is very important, whether we as a species of people want to look at it or not. Or not. And that was something that I just compartmentalized and pretended like I didn't need it. So that was how I survived. That was how my healing journey began. Because, you know, um, someone said like, that's what being black is about, really, is being able to compartmentalize things or being a person of color in an oppressive state, you know, being able to compartmentalize things to keep it moving because we don't have the time to have that moment to really kind of dig it out of our system so we can truly transition over. 
when you said that, it made me think about so many things that I right. compartmentalize on the daily because I just it's don't just have like the capacity. A shot and you're like, all right, let me just patch this up really quick, and then we gotta we gotta go. We gotta keep it moving. We will have to address this later. Yeah. So that's what. But I knew that. I had to address my mother's situation before I became a mother. I knew that that was my initiation. I knew that that was my karma, right? So I put it on the shelf, but I dusted it off every now and then. You know, I didn't, because... And was this dusting off before you entered motherhood? Or, yes, yeah. because it was, my, it was my initiation. It was my ritual. Like, there were a couple of things, like... To find my lover, I had to make peace with all the ones that I felt like I didn't make peace with. And as soon as I, like, bear with me, guys. As soon as I meditated on that shit and prayed on that shit, literally, like, every day, twice a day, like, let's do this work, they just started dropping out of text messages, emails, oh. like, D- random DMs, like, messaging. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we're doing this. All right, here we go. And I shut all of those doors, and then I found my partner, and then we had a baby three months later. Okay, I'm taking so. notes. Um, so I need to shut doors. Noted. Okay. Yeah, literally. I mean, personally, I feel like the healing journey is addressing those doors. They might be cracked. They might be bolted shut. You might have never even gone in them, but you cannot move on if there's no room to move on. It's crowded. You know, so for me, I knew I had to address certain things. And I mean, I'm going to be honest. I still struggle with motherhood. I still get those like, I should call them my Raven Simone moments where I'm like, <laughs> Come on, you know, where I'm talking to my daughter and I'm like, are you me? Am I you? Like, have we been this? You know, I, so it's ongoing. The transition, we're forever in the chrysalis stage, I feel like. You know, I mean, becoming, becoming a mother and becoming a parent, I, I feel like there's just that transformation. However quick you can clean up your family stuff, that's... Oh, that's such a word. Um, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, for me, when I was pregnant, um, I kept having this reoccurring dream. I haven't talked... I'm like very even hesitant to talk about it now because it's... I'm going to tell y'all, and then y'all be like, damn, that's heavy. But... It's <laughs> heavy over here. It's heavy. It's, the whole thing ain't going to be heavy, but such is life. I had this reoccurring dream when I was pregnant that my father was trying to kill me. Okay, I told y'all. That was my trigger fucking warning that it was going to be heavy. But that was really the manifestation of all of our own issues and trauma that we had with myself. My father would not kill me, y'all. I want to preface this by saying he would never. He's just a troubled man, but like not that troubled. And so, but like, that's how my subconscious manifested it. And I was like, how do I protect myself? How do I find safety? No one's here to protect me. It's only me and my child. Because in my dream, I'm pregnant. And that dream happened probably like four or five times um, to the point that you know, my son's father was like, hey, uh, <laughs> you might want to heal before you have this baby because this shit sounds deep. It sounds like you have something going on that you don't want to pass on. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I was blessed with the baby daddy that I have because he had the foresight to be able to 
um, see that and then the communication skills to be able to communicate that to me in a way in which I was able to receive it. So that was a huge part of my own um, motherhood journey was like, all right, let me kind of unearth some of these traumas that I've dealt with. Let me really unearth where I feel inadequate or very vulnerable and how do I fill in these gaps so that that is not then projected onto my child, especially a son. Well, I don't even think you fill in the gaps. It just gets tighter. Mm. The space just becomes more tight and clean and cozy. Yeah. You know? Like, the gaps don't even need to be filled because that would just be filled with love. Yes. Right? And then acceptance and affirmations and all these things, our Mm -hmm. love languages, everything that makes us feel divine. Yes. Right? You know? Absolutely. So, um, now that we're talking about Healing through the mother wound. Um, I'm also, so now you're growing up. What, what were you like <laughs> growing up? I know a little bit from my, from my like, researches. Nobody really knows my life. <laughs> Please tell us so that we have it documented forever and we can go back and press play. I mean... A day in the life, you know, I lived with my grandma and we had uncles or aunts or whoever needed. My grandma's house was like a place where she's like, y'all need to get out of my house, but be off the streets by 9 p.m. And if you need a place to stay, come on over. I got a room. You know, one of those. I'm not a hotel motel holiday inn, but I'm like, but you are. (laughs) (laughs) With the house phone that's never changed. So we live with my grandma, my dad and I. And my dad was a professional dancer um, in the 80s and 70s. That was like a huge thing, I guess. You know, he was... That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, my dad was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. What kind of dance? Are we talking like Soul Train dancing? Are we talking yes, about... Yes, he okay. was on Soul Train. He was a popper, um, <laughs> boogaloo-style, locking, house fiend, foot fanatic. Man, I don't know, six <laughs> four and a big buff dude. I'm like, all right, daddy, go ahead with your splits. You know, he was like, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, his story is really amazing because, long story short, he, I don't know, he was like, when I look back at his story, I think of like, he was like, what happens when country black folks move from the country to the city? I mean, just things just start, like, dissipating and separating and people change and, you know, it's the city life. So he was the victim of that and he was in the gang and he, you know, was the best fighter in Compton. Um, no, I'm just kidding, but I'm not. But really. Yeah. But really. It's I okay. Mean, Let's dad, okay. Accolades so are he accolades. Was a, he was a triple OG KC. He was like Superman. He was shot plenty of times, stabbed plenty of times, spent time in a penitentiary, and then rose from that. Just one day, you know, him and his friends, you know, started working for Michael Jackson, and then he couldn't get on a music video because he was in jail being acting a fool. And he was like, all right, this is it, I'm done. This is like, I want to be over there. I don't want to be in here. And so he was really my my inspiration on how to rise from my family childhood BS 
to where I am today. He was like my beacon. Like, okay, if daddy could do it, he taught himself how to read and write. He like, this dude was like really cripping, cripping, cripping. You know, he went from that to like David Bowie on stage, like dancing. I'm like, okay. Dynamic. Yeah, I'm like, okay, if he could do it, I could do it. We could do this. We got it. It's okay. Trauma ain't nothing. It's like... It's just a platform. It's just a platform, right? All we needed was the platform. <laughs> That's what we tell ourselves in the bath. Um, so a day in a life with a man like that who, uh, he had so much trauma. He was a young black man it, growing up in L.A., you know, trying to, literally exorcists exercise the gang life from him, you know, but he never drank. He never smoked cigarettes. He never smoked anything. He was so pure. He just liked sweets. I'm like, who are you? You were so weird, you know, like, but cool, like otherworldly. Um, so growing up, it was just protecting that man. I became his like guardian angel. I were, were you so. privy to the life that he was living? Oh, yeah. I thought I was a, I was going to be like, I was, I would say, okay, daddy. So if you're the king crit, would I be the princess? <laughs> and he would start okay. laughing like, yes, this is so fucked up. But yes, you would be. Wow. You know, yeah. it was like, so I didn't wear skirts. I did, I had some barrettes in my hair if someone came over and did my hair for me. Otherwise it was like the low pony with the braid, just no part in the middle, no, just everything is just brushed back really quick with Jay's, my Catholic skirt, you know, I'm just, yeah. so that was in the city. I'm like, we went hunting and fishing in, in Texas where my ancestry's from. But other than that, it was the city all the time, every day, no garden, no eating natural. We're eating chitlins. We're just like going going in on the really, really low-grade food. Um, So none of the life that I live today was something that was in within me that I had to literally discover every moment I took a chance on myself and decided to separate myself from the environment that I was raised in. You know, these are just the tribes that we were born into. It's not who we are. You know, like, and I feel like once I've learned that, then I was able to really start my journey. But it wasn't until, unfortunately, he passed until that happened. What, and and your father passed at a young age for you. I was 16. 16, yeah. So now you don't have a relationship with your mother. Your father has transitioned. Where are you at? You know, what does your life look like? And what was that? Because now, I mean, from the outside in, you're fucking granola. You're crunchy. We love it. You're you now. I am so granola. But what was that? What? How do we go from like Princess Crip to she was still she was still trying to crip. (laughs) (laughs) I was still baby cripping. You know, like I was like, all right. Well, the only reason, the only reason, the only thing that was keeping me afraid to do anything risky, I guess, or take a chance on just explorative. We'll use that word, a Montessori word, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, 
is gone. I'm just like balls to the wall. Like, let's do it. What she want to do? We doing it all tonight. And that, I mean, I got pregnant for the second time um, with the boyfriend that I lost my virginity to. I remember like riding around North Las Vegas streets really fast. I don't know. That's one memory. I Because re- I think I was chasing him. Like, what am I, what kind of life chaos. am I trying to start for myself? It was young. It, it was, was like chaotic. baby mama yeah. drama. Sure. Like, basically. Right. You know. Um, I started smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Went some 100s when my grandma smoked. You know? Mine like, were Virginia Slims. Ooh. And then when I moved to New that's, York, that's they cute. were, it was sexy. That's cute. And then it was Newports. And let ooh. me tell you, what ain't sexy is a damn Newport. No. <laughs> that's no. Gross. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so my life was going really fast and doing anything and everything that I was always curious to do, I did it. it but it was going in a direction where I was going to end up a statistic. You know, I was only surrounding myself in the environment where it wasn't nurturing, it wasn't nourishing, it wasn't emotionally... Um, Fed, you know, the emotional intelligence was not there at all. So, yeah, I, I think about it all the time. I was like, I really could have been somebody's baby mama and been dealing with that drama every single day. Same. Like, what was the turning point? Mm, I, mm, but you were living in Europe for a while, right? There wasn't really... Yes, but there wasn't really a turning point. There were like stages for me. So that was a stage. And then I was like, okay, I need to get the fuck out of LA. So I tried to go to London, but somebody was like, no, you're too, you're not well. (laughs) We need to keep you close. I'm like, all right, then I'm going to the Bay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to London or I'm going to the Bay. Okay. (laughs) So I went to the Bay. And I feel like my time in the Bay was the first time where I was discovering who I was and I was coming up from under the Crippen, the Crippen energy. And I was stepping into this like, okay, indie energy. I'm for it. Like, let's do it. What do you, this is cool. Like everybody's, nobody's asking me like, what race I'm, what race I am, or where you're from. They're like, oh, what are you into? Like, what kind of art do you do? And I'm like, this is, this is normal people. <laughs> like, this is cool. So I was there for a couple of years and then I went to Europe. And every, every stage was a transition into where I am today, really. And I think it... Pills. Pills. It was the pills. What pills? What are we talking about here? The loony pills. Okay. You know, they're like, oh, you want to talk here? Take these. Okay. That was the major, because I was thinking about the stage. Wait, okay, hold on. on. Let's let's give context. So wait, first, how old are you and where are you at? Okay, so we were talking about the stages of how how I got to where I am today. And I'm like backtracking and the pivot point of how I stepped into my granola S-ness was being in my early 20s really, y'all, I was really out of my mind. I was really hurting. I was, everything, you know, the mother, the second mother that I had, 
she was doing some weird mental things with me, like fucking with me, and then just dipped, you know, said something really, really not nice, and then just left forever, you know? So that happened. I had a dog that I was really trying to keep alive. Bless Sisto. Oh, I love her. She lived for 10 years. A really great life. She's been flown around. Okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so things were, things were hitting. Mm-hmm. Things were hitting. And um, I just think it was getting too difficult to live. I'm going to just be honest. This is what acute depression, bipolar depression looks like. And it runs, it is in my ancestral history. I have more than a handful of family members that have committed suicide. So it is something deep, deep woven into, unfortunately, my ancestral bond to this planet. We're cleaning that up, okay? Okay. Cleaning. Um, So I did the responsible thing. You know, people are like, just be responsible and just go see somebody. And you're like, all right, fine. I'm going to go see somebody, you know. And they're like, okay, here you go. And you're like, oh, okay. So then you step into the matrix. Literally, it's like the matrix. (laughs) Especially dealing with psychotropics. You don't know how your brain is going to react. You don't know how your body is going to react on top of having to live having to be present in your world to go to work, make money, whatever you have to do while you're trying to get your mind right. It was, yeah, that's when I became fed up. I was like, this system's not for me. (laughs) You know, like, you guys got something going on here that I don't want to be a part of. Man. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I started back therapy... I don't know, sometime last year, because, fuck, how are we all surviving at this point? So I started therapy, and I remember (laughs) for three weeks straight trying to convince my therapist to put me on drugs, because I had just given up at that point. And I'm not, I believe that everyone should do what's going to serve you best. 100%. A thousand percent, Right. Um, I don't know if drugs were going to serve me best, but I was like, listen, girl, I don't want to do no more affirmations. I don't want to tell myself that I'm strong, smart, and powerful, and I am not the culmination of my successes or achievements. I I don't want to do it. I want you to give me the pill that's going to make me not go the fuck off on people as soon as I wake up. Girl, if it only worked that way. (laughs) And my therapist didn't. (laughs) She wouldn't. She was like, yeah, so the psychiatrists are really busy this time of year because... Good on her. Everyone thinks they're crazy. And just, you know, do your affirmations, girl. Meditate. So... (laughs) Take a walk. Take a walk. Grab a plan. And I'm like, I don't want to see the sun. (laughs) I don't want to see nobody. It's very very real. This is a very... Depression is a monster. Mm -hmm. I tell people, this is the thing. It's like... I was, I was going to minor in psychology because I was so obsessed with trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with me and my family. Same. Because my family, I didn't grow up. My dad wasn't like, oh, I'm so depressed right now. Like, oh, I'm so anxious. It was just like, ah, like punching holes in the wall like the Hulk yeah. or crying or sleeping for two days. So I'm depressed. First of all, psychologists say depression is like AIDS for the brain. 
it, depression and anxiety, and anxiety because it eats. It's eating. It's feeding on all the goodness, all of the good cells, all of the good chemistry and the connections that are happening in there and just literally taking it over. And then it starts to become physical. And then you start seeing the physical symptoms. And then it just grows. And then one day you're like, I don't like it here. So I would say 1,000%, yes, if anybody who's listening needs to take medication, please, to save their life or people around them to keep it sane, please take it. However, I do want to be the person to say, take it with a grain of salt because it's not that easy. You can't just take something and be fixed. It does not work that way. I learned that the hard way. Oh. The hard way. If only. Let me tell you something. If anybody here has ever taken Lexapro, uh, specifically. I was on Lexapro. Yeah. Let me say, Lexapro was cute. It the was beginning. cute at first. I was like, okay, really I'm like, not snapping. Oh. My cup is not running, running over. I love it here. And then, let's bring it back to that vibrator I was telling y'all about at the beginning. Y'all, I went and hit my trusty vibrator. And I was zapping for over an hour, and I could not climax. And I said, let me tell you what's more depressing than being depressed is not being able to climax. You feel like you're doing for hours. Hours. You're like, I don't. I'm numb. I I feel nothing. (laughs) My clip has left the building. (laughs) She was like, girl, you better quit. I am done. We have it. We're done. It's not happening. Literally. I remember that. Yeah. Like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong here. I was um, 19 at Howard, teaching full-time. I don't know why I was... I don't know. You don't need a reason to be depressed. I just was. And I was like, cool, I'm going to get on this Lexapro. And then I couldn't tell... You know, I'm 19, so I don't feel comfortable telling my family, well, you know, guys, I couldn't reach an orgasm, so I had to quit that medication. Um, So... (laughs) So I've just been out here free-balling it since. Um, (laughs) Here we are in our 30s. I've been there. (laughs) Good luck. Um, But, you know, I I love that you brought that up because that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is, like, what can we do to kind of, like, stay grounded or feel in your body during all this unrest? It's nasty out there. Number one, turn off the news, okay? Maybe weekly, get your little update, but every day... Phone notifications and like, I listen to the radio. I'm an NPR girl. <laughs> of course you are. Just like, Yoko's like, Mom, I don't want to listen to them. I'm like, listen, okay, we're going to listen. Literally, I, I, I'm curious now then, what are systems of healing for you? Because, you know, I feel like the, the, People in my life that I have encountered that have been the best healers, that have been the, the most uh, di- like dynamic conduits of change and healing have been people who have a story, who have overcome something. So what are those, what did work for you? The, the, the drugs weren't working. Oh, no. I love that you said dynamic conduits of change because that is where healing begins, right? Is realizing that that's what we are. That's... We are the vessel, like, but it's up to us to connect these to then get it, get it going. If we keep it separated, it's just things are going to get tricky. Um, 
But back to your question, you said what what systems? systems of healing? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, what was that kind of process and discovering? So I had to detox from the pills. I was taking five different pills. I was Ooh. taking Lexapro, Ativan, Adderall, and the sleepy sleepy Susie's, Seroquels. The Adderalls used to make me feel like a motherfucking oh, I, G. I was like, I could do anything. I almost wrote a book. <laughs> Like literally in there, like that shit okay. probably wasn't gonna make no sense. But no. you know, you were gonna feel good writing the book. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting. Uh, sometimes I do miss Adderall. I'm not gonna lie. My Adderall is legal cocaine. It really is. I mean, and if you do have ADD tendencies, it really does help you check, keep it in check. Like stay on a topic for at least an hour. You know. Yeah. It's, but if you're buying them from somebody in your class and you're in art school and then you come down from the high, you just feel like shit. Cause you're like, but you're also, Adderall t- turns you into a raging bitch. Just like... Raging bitch or someone that wakes up your roommate at 3 a.m. because you think you're having a heart attack because you took three Adderall in a day because oh, no. you're a psycho. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, right? It was... I was 20. Okay, I was... Okay. 20. Okay, you, were, you were exploring. I was exploring, and okay. I, I was in art school, and I really wanted to do well. And I was the only black person in all of my classes, and I felt like I had something to prove. I feel that. I, I still dropped out. Okay. I was just like, I don't need that at all. Just give me just the normal shit. Like, I'll just take my lines in between classes. Okay? okay. I'll focus this way. <laughs> this is how we're focusing. Um, so yeah, detoxing. I decided, I remember I was sitting there with my with Sisto and I woke up that morning and my mind was literally going woof, woof, woof. And I just started crying. Like, I'm like, this is, this is the rest of my life. Struggle, shaking to get all these pills out, having tremors because I missed a dose. Like literally stressing out how I'm gonna pay this legal drug dealer to me, like driving all around LA to the deep valley down to find my, like, this is, I, I really don't want to live if this is it. I'd rather be with my family then. You know what I mean? So I kind of thought about it because, you know, depressed people are semi, they have suicidal thoughts, you know, um, especially just to like put it out there. Like my father, when he passed, he passed from suicide. So this is a deep trauma that really, I'm really working to, to expunge from my DNA. So it's not passed down anymore. So it stops with me. Um, and I just prayed. I prayed on it and I really, and I think the ancestors and the spirit guys were like, all right, she really needs some sort of, and they were like, just go natural. People were like, had fucking hysteria back in the day. And they were just, they were fine. Like, we're just stressed the fuck out. I'm pretty sure I can find some herb and eat it and feel good. Did you have any sort of connection to herbalism, um, naturopathic medicine? Nothing. Zero. I wish I had that beautiful, like, oh yeah, my grandma used to burn. No. Mm-mm. My grandma was a very foxy woman. 
You know, I like she, Foxy. She, she was like, I'm, I'm out of the country. And, you know, I respect that. She, like, she really held five kids on her own as a black woman and became a home, like, multiple home, homeowner. And just, you know, she did, the, she did her damn thing. But herbs and she depended on the system. And most people in my family did, except for my one uncle who we had a reunion with. And I'm like, he walked in the room and he had his kufi on and he had all these stones, big old rings. And I'm like, and I had all my stone rings. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> this is where this is coming from. Right. Oh, you my people. Because exactly. your family is not always your people. No, I yeah. mean, we're all cut from different sides of the cloth, you know? And some sides are stained, some sides are raggedy. A little tattered, a little worn. Burnt, okay. you know, jaded, you know? Um, but no one really gave, except for my daddy. I mean, he never wanted to. He acted like the doctors was the police. Because <laughs> they are. He was like, we are because not going they to. are. <laughs> we are not going to Especially if you're a black woman in this room and you gave birth in a hospital, then you know the doctors are the police. Exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, maybe it kind of baby started from him because I, I do remember, you know, he always used to tell me it starts in the mind. It's mind over matter. If you can imagine it and you pray on it and you imagine it and you believe in yourself, it will happen. You won't be sick. You'll be fine. It won't hurt. He would just say these things to me. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, it was like, I'm unstoppable. I so he planted these seeds. Kind of. Yeah. You know, in his Inadvertently. Goofy, yeah. Right. In, his, in his own way. So um, that was the day. That day, I believe I still, I wrote it down somewhere, was the day I quit everything. I detox shampoo, face wash, toothpaste. I just went completely because I'm like I don't want any of your shit in my body what, right what you doing instead of toothpaste I was doing you know the baking soda okay sprinkling <laughs> some things okay. you know doesn't know. tell me put me on just some baking soda and water okay. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. just like the old school I didn't yeah. get you know because at that time too I didn't even have a fridge so I didn't have the money, the actual monetary resources to be like, I'm ready to start this herbal life. Let me put all this shit in my cart. I'm going to go to Whole Foods. You know, I didn't have anything. I was going to like the, the like, um, Abuelita Bodega to yeah. get their herbs. Yeah. I'm going to just try this Camila or something. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> see what see it does. It exactly. So it was very guerrilla how I start. I started a niacin treatment on myself um, and detox from the medication by myself. Please don't ever do this on your own at home. We are not doctors. You, we, are, <laughs> we are not doctors. And I yeah. seriously injured myself multiple times. But, you know, I didn't have anyone, you know. And sometimes we have to remember that we have the strength and the guidance it is not just us here on this earth. Like, we have the guidance. So if we really need them to come through and to hold us, they will. And I believe that they did. And I'm sober. We're, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but it's almost over two years. I know that's right. (laughs) Sober, like, I'm still crazy as hell. I still have my moments. And, you know, pregnancy doesn't help at all. You know, I feel like pregnancy has taught me I have some serious anger issues. And your girl just want to fight. I just want to fight. 
What do I do about that? I don't know. I'm not the person to ask. I'm not the person to ask because people never start fights. But I'm a finisher. But I don't like a bully. And I don't like a side eye. So if I get a side eye, I'm going to be like, bitch, you want to talk about it? I mean, you know. It's feeling funny. When 2020 (laughs) happened and your girl was in Idlewild, some folks really got a little crazy up there where I had to, I mean, that was my way to get my anger out. I was thankful for the moment, you know, for the therapy. But it was still like, that's a whole other side. But, you know, because we'll talk about that when we get to A-Sun. Okay, yes, yes. Because... It's a lot. Anger is a a real thing. And and I think, what was it, New York Mag or New York Times recently published a piece about mom rage. I've reposted that, yes. I cried when I read that caption. I was like, she said it. I didn't say it. Exactly. I want um, anyone who's listening and anyone who's in this room to know, like, it is okay. We are human. We're human. We're healing. Mm-hmm. We're on this healing journey. You're, you're becoming even more self-aware. And now um, you're entering motherhood, right? Right. I would love to know kind of <clears throat> where you were at personally and professionally when you entered motherhood. And then very specifically, this, this conversation around sustainability. Mm. Um, I think sustainability is such a buzzword. Sometimes I know what it means. Sometimes I don't because... Welcome to 2021. Exactly. You know, then capitalism took a hold of sustainability and we just don't know anything anymore. But I would love to really get an idea of um, how you've been able to sustain yourself, Mm. what sustainability means to you within the framework of motherhood. I think one of the big things for me um, in my path into motherhood was cleaning. I had a lot of cleaning to do. I had a, I was sexually abused. I had broken hearts. I had an altered um, idea of what sex actually was and looked like and felt like um, stemming from that abuse and also giving my body to others how I think I should. Um, there's the mother situation. There's the father situation. And then there's the having to live life on your own, just like with no resources like zero like hey my rent is due can I borrow there's no one on the other line so constantly in that survival mode was um you know that's just my karmic path actually you know I'm still a mother and I'm still doing what I can to survive no matter what's being thrown at me that's why like you know, I do feel for people, these past couple of years have been really tough. But to be quite honest, it's been my cup of tea. I'm like, I'm used to this shit. This shit is crazy. Shit is just crazy. And I think now that we're more tapped in, we're really understanding what crazy actually means under the system that they built for us to have to live in, you know. So a big part of my motherhood was trying to decolonize as much as possible their hands out of my shit, basically. All of my shit. Every part of my shit. Especially my coochie. You know, like... Get out of there. They're, like, elbow deep. And I'm like, (laughs) get out of here, you know? And I feel like people kind of forget that aspect because decolonization doesn't mean... It's not a color anymore. 
this is an uh, and this is a way I'm of thinking so glad and a way that. of living, right? Yeah. And colonization and the industrialization of our society and our planet, nothing about it is sustainable. So if the majority of your life is looking colonized or is looking heavily industrialized via materialism or needing these external things to fulfill you, then you, you really, and you're feeling angst and you're feeling heartache and your circulation is not working right and you're bloated all the time. And sometimes you get a migraine and I can't sleep really. It is because there is no room for spirit to roam. You've let all of this stuff that they built to keep us away from spirit. So that's another thing that comes up for me about sustainability is living indigenously, which is close ears to the ground, eyes to the sky. The cosmos and what's below us were the only thing that was guiding us for a long time. It wasn't until like maybe mid-1800s where shit started really popping, you know, and changing. Up until then, everything was about what is growing around us and beneath us and what is happening in the sky. Nothing else mattered. And we have to remember, like, this is just a game that we're in. So I would say to the people who are also struggling with depression and trying to find, you know, that grounded place to be able to be on track to start a family or to elevate your life to be more than just you. Because starting a family could look different for anybody. It's really about transitioning into this other person where you're selfless and you're giving rather than looking to be on the receiving end. Is cleaning, looking at your life and seeing what is being decolonized, our diets, our minds, Um, our relationships, how we view ourselves, um, our sexuality. Wait, can we decolonize our lives, but, like, I still want to buy a Louis bag. I still... I I mean, we're human. Is there a... Is there a... And I'm I'm saying that genuinely because I feel like I exist between worlds. I, too, exist between worlds, Mm -hmm. and it's been tough, you know? I'm, like... I'm vegan. My partner's really vegan. And he's made me get rid of all of my vegan leather. And I'm like, okay, except for these boots. I'm like, don't touch them. (laughs) This is all we got, okay? But so for me, I'd be like, girl, live your life. Mm -hmm. You, this is your consciousness. You should, if you want to be real, I would pick three things. Mm -hmm. Like, You know, if you're going to ride, then ride and pick three things that you can really can't live without. But for me, no, I've really chosen to give all those things up because a big part of becoming a mother is to be intuitive. And to be intuitive, you cannot be colonized. Because that's the very basis of colonization is to take that intuition intuition from you so Mm -hmm. they can feed you the shit that they need to feed you. Mm -hmm. Tell you what type of mother are you going to be and tell you you should sleep with your baby here. You shouldn't sleep with your baby here. Tell you this is how you love your lover. And this is, you know, it's like all this shit where we don't even feel like humans anymore. It's like, okay, well, like, I don't even know how to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You just tell me. Siri, Siri, where's my clit? You know? It's yeah. Like- <laughs> well, listen, it's given, Samia, where's, tell me. Because what I want to know is, and let me check that. Yeah, what? Okay, we're good. 
I want to know, <laughs> I want to talk about decolonization in terms of sex. I want to talk about herbs as it relates. To, I want to talk about sex. Okay. Period. Okay. Right. Because I'm not having enough of it with another actual human. Right. And I want to see. <laughs> I feel that. We have those dreams. It's fine. Um, and I want to know kind of like what your experience has been living in a more conscious state and like how has sex and physical connection with another human changed in that consciousness? And like what notes do I need to take? What herbs do I need to take? How, is there like what's the holistic Sierra's prayer? I honestly feel like I'm making this face because it's like it's like eye roll. The statement is, sex is really a manifestation, and I feel like once you're ready to take that journey with someone, that's where you reach ultimate ecstasy. So. It used to be that orgasming and um, sexually pleasuring yourself with another person or with other people around was the ultimate meditation. That was God, right? That was because you were, you were, people then confuse it with, oh, it's because you're procreating, but not really. You're using all of your brain cells, all of the love, all of the energy, the cosmic energy that is bound within you, and you're unleashing it, you know? And so that in and of itself was an act of God to them, which I truly believe. So I think number one, people are having a lot of empty sex. Oh, so empty. Where it's not even worth it. I had a lot of it in 2020. Well, actually, I had very minimal of it in 2020. You know, I'd much rather just have a vibrator and just maybe get a new toy. I don't know. You yeah. Know, just that, that feels more fulfilling. Totally. And then not only that, with the porn industry, people are kind of taking it to a whole other level. And although I respect being open about sexuality and sex, I do not condone trauma sex. And I think that it confuses us and it has confused us. So we don't even know what it is we're chasing after when our purse is, is inside of us or when we exchange saliva or when we feel each other and give each other tickles on the back. These are all energetic exchanges that is sending us closer, closer to that ecstasy. It, it's bringing us closer to that consciousness. But with porn and with, like, empty sex and with just having sex to either get off or make yourself happy or all these empty reasons, it's kind of getting lost, which is why people are getting bored or they're feeling abused or they're feeling taken advantage of or they're not feeling pleasured enough or, you know, how... I don't, I'm sorry. How is... It, Every hetero man should be begging women. Begging. To dine. Okay. Between their legs. Begging. Literally. You know? Yeah. And the fact that it's the other way around, mm. it just, 
it creates more trauma around this pure act. This is the purest yeah. act we can do. Totally. You know? um, so, I don't know. I feel like one way to heal the sexual energy is to, it just dawned on me one day, is our first sexual encounter, whether that be touching ourselves, whether that be someone touching you, whether... Sliding down the banister. Sliding down the banister. Um, but I'm also, this idea is kind of spawning from human interaction. That might, this is a theory, I'm not a scientist or a psychologist, might dictate how you receive love until you choose to elevate and really take a close look at your sexual life and your sexual energy towards other beings. So, for example, myself, trigger warning, I, you know, was molested as a young girl. And so when I came to be sexually active in my early teens, I was 14, um, I just gave myself to people. Not like I was a hoe, like I can still count how many people I've had sex with, but there was... I can't. There was no, like... Not saying anything is wrong with being a hoe. Okay, let me just put that out there. Girls okay, because I hoed out. You know, it's okay. I, it was now just too much dry. responsibility for me. It was too much responsibility. I couldn't. I like, understand. You know, we're not all built for it. No, uh-uh. should we I was be? like, how yeah. do my friends have multiple of these? Jeez. I'm like, I'm barely handling this one. <laughs> all the rocks. Um, I forgot. This is mommy brain. No, 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 it's okay. But you know what it it, it made me think of, and I'm glad that you're talking about that because um, in terms of sex, God, I'm giving you so much today. But um, (laughs) I, like I said, I I definitely hoed out at one phase. Fab, lived my best. I had so much fun. I was young. I was a cop. I've had really good partners where I was like, okay, you want to worship me? Go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, then, then I was in sex work. Um, so I worked as a dominatrix for a couple of years in New York. Yeah. As, as many art school students do, you know? Um, so that, (laughs) that was, that was fab. I'm not going to lie. For me, I was coming out of a really kind of emotionally and physically abusive relationship where I had really lost my power and mm. I was looking to gain a sense of power and that's where I could, could, could gain power and control mm. um, was in that experience. Um, and then it, then now I'm however old I am. And, <laughs> and I realized that I can't do it, approach sex in the same way. Right. So for me, as of recently, I have been doing a lot of um, masturbation as manifestation. Mm. I can't. Y'all, let me tell you. And I know that you know this. Becoming woke, conscious, whatever you want to call it, can be such a burden Mm. because when you know better, you have to do better Mm. and you have to show up better for yourself Mm. and better for everybody else around you. So all of the and I'm not anti-porn. I'm not. Again, I'm not into anything. Please. This is all just like personal. Personal. Like personal. But I have gone so far off the deep end in my <laughs> sexual deviancy and my sexual exploration and my po- all the things. I'm like, bitch, ain't nowhere else really to go. Um, so now I can... <laughs> 
<laughs> now the only thing that I can that I feel inclined to do is to literally masturbate and I think about where I want to be, where my business is going, the type of love that I want to manifest. I literally got off, mm, it might have been yesterday, probably, probably. It was probably yesterday I got off to um, thinking about how successful I wanted Cool Moms to be and thinking about the family that I wanted to manifest. Yes. Been there. Right? Been there. It's kind of incredible. It's a different type of meditation. It is a People different type of meditation. There's many different forms of meditation. Just like going back to the so systems many. of healing. There are many different forms of systems yes. of healing. If you... So meditation and healing is just purity, pure yeah. thoughts, pure intentions, pure, yeah, pure thoughts and pure intentions. Those are the only two things you really need. Yeah. And you can start to, and letting yourself drop in, which means to let go of this reality. Yeah. It's the matrix. Like if you allow yourself to drop into your own matrices mm-hmm. and allow ancestors, spirit, whoever is supporting you, watching you, guiding you on this earthly plane to guide you and to get in your ear a little bit, that is your meditation. Yes. It's not, it doesn't have to be what everyone else is making it to be. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. And it's been incredible. Yeah. It's been really um, fun. And I almost hate to say it because this guy was a real lame dude that I dated. Yeah. But the one great thing that I got from him, I remember we were having a sexual experience together and he was like, we're mid, you know, we're, we're mid-session. And he's just, like, started telling me all of the things that he wanted for our future. And me, like, this like, it's a little bit of game, sure, but I ain't never had somebody do this. That and he was specific. He talked about the house that we were going to have, the oh. life we were going to build. Y'all, tears. Oh. Oh. We like that. We love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he couldn't follow through outside of that. But, like, thank you for planting the seed, Make me sir. Feel thank you. Right, yes. exactly, for sure. me to do it on my own. Yes. Um. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. him yeah. for that. Um. That, that, that glitch in the new yeah, matrix so when I did it. I don't know. You know, your sexual experience and sexual healing, people know what needs to be healed. I can't tell you. Yeah. I can't tell you how to heal. I can't tell you what needs to be healed. I can't tell you that your sexual healing has to fit into this one little box because that's your karmic energy. Mm. I can say be true to yourself and remember your body is a temple. Mm-hmm is a temple. It is not only a temple sometimes. It's not only a temple when you do your rituals or when you meditate or when you cleanse yourself. It is a temple all the time. So anybody who comes in there, it is a blessing and they need to clean their feet. Okay. And don't leave no dirt in my door. Hell no. (laughs) And help me clean up. Okay. I want to know, as we're winding down, I definitely want to talk about how you have taken the culmination of these life lessons Mm. and these experiences Mm. and manifested them into a business and a livelihood. What does that look like? So I was told that I should start calling it a business. Because it is. be granola. You have to. I'm like, trade? No, girl, it's a business. You want people to give you some money. Exactly. Yeah. uh Green? I, so yeah, this is something that I've been, I basically just gave it to the divine. Like, how do you want me to show up in these spaces for my people? How do I um, kind of 
offer this healing, this wisdom, all the stuff that I've acquired over these years to help people without... And you know, it, what's a trip is when I started, none of this was happening. There was Dr. Bronner's in SF. Yeah. Yeah. at a local market, you know, <laughs> that yeah. was it. Yeah. So I was really, I got to see the birth and the boom of this. Now it's in an industry. So right when I was going to be like, yeah, I had to kind of stop. I moved to the mountains. I worked on this weed herb farm and that was completely odd. Um, and decided like, okay, I was living in LA before I had like a little Toyota Yaris. I was waitressing, figuring my shit out. And I'm like, okay, this is not for me. I'm ready to go on the journey. Here we go. I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to pack, find a truck. I'm going to pack everything and I'm just going to drive north. And so I think that was really where the research began. And fast forward to today, it had to take me becoming a mother of three, um, I'm going to be real. The house that I live, that I'm renting now in Altadena was my first home Wow! by myself as yeah. a big girl. Congratulations. Wow. Tears now. Yeah. So it was really coming from like sleeping in my car, sleeping over people's houses, random guys, random friends to, okay, I have my own house. It's rented, but it's still my house. You know, I have my own car. I'm paying all the bills. Like we're doing the damn thing. And then we've, elevated recently and bought some land in Idlewild. Wow, so congratulations. The manifestations and the fruitions are growing. And um, so Herb Farm coming soon. But until then, I really, I feel like we need a place where we feel protected and where we feel like we're going to get the best of the best and intentional medicine. There's a lot of like, oh, this kind of works, or maybe this works for me. It didn't work for me. I don't know where this person gets this herb from. Why does your dry herb look different from my dry? I just wanted to take the guessing work out. And so finally, it has dawned on me that ASUN is about the people that I meet, the farms that I walk on, the land that I walk on, the relationships that I build with local beekeepers or herb farmers or... um, kelp divers or mushroom foragers so people know where the source is because it's not medicine if it's still being adulterated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just isn't, yeah. even if it's sold at Aramon. Okay. I just, <laughs> if you don't know where it's grown, you're just taking poison. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. So it's, and it's actually making you say, well, oh, this doesn't work. But actually taking herbs is a euphoric, meditative, spiritual journey. The the medicine actually talks to you. And so I hopefully can manifest, are on our way to manifesting a little brick and mortar in Idlewilds, an ASIN apothecary, where people can come and chat or start their herbal journey. Mm -hmm. Because I think there needs to be a safe place um, I know there, there are a couple, which I'm so happy, but there are also not a lot of Black-owned. I'm just going right. to be honest. There are not a lot of Black-owned POC apothecaries, herb shops, herb suppliers out there. And totally. 
I found especially on, for some reason, it seems like it would be more accessible here, but I have like my go-to place and it's in DC and it's Blue Nile and I don't know any, and it's black owned and it's been there forever. And the, the, the people who run it are so knowledgeable. And I'm like, where can I find that here? I got to go home to I get have, it. I have to say that it's really, so, you know, a couple things, you know, I, I, my goal is to be the voice of the voices that we're always for here. You know, we've just somehow, we're, you know, I'll, we I'll lost go, our ear. I'll go, I'll study in, under an apprentice or go to an herb farm and everyone is an old white male. And if you were a white female, you're like, oh, yeah, my name is Sunshine. And, you know, very, and I'm like, no, this is not cool. Like, first of all, like, we know which is, was always in the herbs, Mm -hmm. you know. And we also know that people of color are the ones who shared knowledge. We all had knowledge to give to each other. We don't have dominion over anything. So one of my life goals is to bring some color back into this field, into this healing. And, um, you know, just make sure my people have have a pure place, you know, where they know that, oh, you can ask me where things are sourced. You can ask me who the grower was, where it was grown. And I, I feel like that's very important in your healing journey. Otherwise, you're just reading what's on the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be real, so. And... To close out, um, as a healer, as a mother of two coming on, bringing a third life into this world, what is your hope and your prayer for this next life that you're bringing into the world? Growing and building. We have a lot. I'm like seedling planning right now. And also doing the blueprint from the yurt. Because I told my partner, I'm like, I don't want to live in a box anymore. We are living in a yurt. So we're going to build on the land so I can finally live in a circular zone. Um, So, yeah, that's what I told my family. I'm like, 2022 for us is about building and growing. This is we're really laying the foundation of the life that we want to build. And I'm not just saying this for me, but numerically... Um, astrologically, this is the theme of 2022. It is a, I know everyone says, oh, this is time to clean and clear, but I really, this is like a deep cleaning and a deep clearing of what, what are you trying to, what other luggage are you trying to bring? Are you trying to loosen your load? Like, what are you wearing, right? Is what you're wearing going to help you achieve your true manifestation or your divine destiny. And if it's not, if it's one article of clothing that's not working, it's time to get rid of it. And so I was doing that on a familial level with family. Hardest thing for me, because family's everything with me. Um, I did that with friends. I'm doing that with my personal belongings, just my thoughts. Everything that is not serving me to be the Babish Mother Earth, period. You know, like period. If traveling around the world. <laughs> if it's not bringing me peace, okay. joy, money, and making me feel like the baddest bitch that I am, then what are we I talking about? I don't want about? it. Bye. There's That's no it. space. That's it. There's no space. So, Simia, thank you so I so. We had a lot of fun today. We I'm had like, so much fun. Thank you for um, affirming my. Um, 
new masturbation ritual. And I'm going (laughs) to open this up to anyone that might have any questions for either one of us. Nothing is off limits. Don't be shy. Thank you. So you were saying that you were wild when you were younger. I'm curious to know, now that you like you've changed so much and you're extending your family and you got a good partner, how did you maintain your friendships through all those changes? Um, <laughs> okay. What friendships? No, I'm <laughs> um, A lot of it was just being brutally honest. I would like be passive, passive to make other people feel comfortable and then, and then as I would grow, I would just be like, look, this is who I am. This is not who I am. I don't fuck around with this. Like, I'm, you know I'm not that type of person, so I'm, I'm not in high school. We're not five years ago. This is where I'm trying to go. Just constantly letting them know the real real. And if they can't take it and they feel attacked by it, then I'm like, okay, then you've now taken two steps out of the immediate circle. And I've really learned that your circle only needs to be this small because you just need your ride or dies. Everyone else is just taking up space, especially when you have kids. It's like, please be quiet, please. My tolerance is at an absolute minimum. Please stop talking. Yeah. Or else I'm gonna push you on punishment (laughs) and not call you or text you for three weeks. (laughs) So I've learned like, before I'm like, oh, my friend's here because my friends were my family. But the older I became, I'm just like, oh, no. And especially if you're not leveling up as I'm trying to level up, I do not have the time, space, or energy to, like, hold your hair back when you're throwing up because it's like, boo, come on. We've been here. Let's do it. You didn't bring your hair tie this time? Like, I'm just not the one. Shout out to my former friends that didn't level up. Still love y'all. Same. Same for me. (laughs) Same for me. Hope you're listening. Sometimes I feel like we do need to be, it's okay to be brutally honest with the people that we love. Because we have to save space and to safeguard and to have boundaries for this. And anything that is, you know, I was talking to my spiritual healer and he was like, anything that makes you act less than a bad bitch, you don't need it. I'm like, thank you. You're supposed to be a spiritual yeah. healer. And you called me a bad bitch. <laughs> you see me. Yes. <laughs> Um, Shout out to Musafa. Okay. Um, anyone else? Any questions? Yeah. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for today. I really needed this. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming. Um, how do you... I know you said sex is a manifestation and intentional. Um, how do you find the time to still have that intentional manifestation as a mother? Uh, just, i.e., like, I'm still breastfeeding an almost two-year-old who is obsessed with me. Right. And more than not, I am touched out by the end of the day and yeah. don't want to put my sexy mom hat on. Right. And my partner has a really hard time understanding that. Right. And I just... I've been in the same position. I'm just, we, I literally left my house to come here. Oh, bless. Off this topic. Bless. And I was just like, I don't know how to word it. I don't know how to give this to you. I want to, yeah. but I'm tired. Hmm. So, um, I was there. I battled with postpartum for both my babies. Um, 
naturally. I was like, all right, all right, y'all. I'm loony without a baby. So let's see <laughs> Here what's going to pop off <laughs> when this thing comes out. Um, and I was in the same, you know, I didn't feel, you don't feel in your body. You don't feel good. And especially when you have something, I was feeding both the babies for a long time as well. But I strongly believe in my own sexual karma. I know I have a lot of work to do in that area. And so I put myself in a vulnerable position and kind of presented new ways of touch. So, you know, maybe instead of just like us kissing and then we, you know, just basically get on top of each other, I'd be like, can you tickle my back? Can you rub my feet for me? And then it would just turn into some like right. sexy Let me get a new massage, <laughs> like yeah. time massage. And I'm like, okay, this is a fantasy. And so I'm here for it. So it was like a different form of sexual touch that was, that brought my hormones down and put me in a place of peace and of rest, because that's really what it is is we're working so hard, right? And so we're just wound up and we're just tight and it's hard and it takes a moment for us to just feel calm and like we've exhaled and like, oh, I can feel my skin again. So explaining that to your partner of just like new ways of foreplay, new ways to, but have it be stimulating without you coming even close to this area. Like, stimulate the rest. I have a whole ass body. You can rub up my earlobes. That's a whole thing, you know? Okay, it's like, going to get right. Attack that pinky toe. Yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Just totally. like, focus on that for a minute, and then let's see. But I definitely think, and I encourage this in my doula work with partners, you know, like, that open conversation and that supportive space for the birthing person. Because shit is hard. Capital T. Hard. I also want to just interject. I didn't have the same experience because as um, a co-parenting mom, by the time our son was born, we had already decided that we weren't going to be partners. So then I was kind of tasked with how do I find new or old sexual partners in like this new body with these new feelings and all this stuff going on. You know, I breastfed also for an extended period of time. I was lactating and having sex with <laughs> new people. That's sexy. It, That's I sexy. met somebody yet who didn't like it, okay? It's really sexy. I'm gonna tell you that now. But my my like tidbit of, of advice would be also to kind of piggyback off of you. Something that I found super helpful that I thought really, um, and I got some friends in the back that they were at my house when I showed them this, but I really was skeptical and pleasantly surprised by the goop sex docuseries on Netflix. And... What? Right? I mean, I'm... Listen, listen! I understand the hesitation and the skepticism. However, what I do think it did, it gave language to so many people who didn't have language around sex. I also love that they they primarily featured a lot of different types of couples, but they primarily featured this black couple, which I felt like was really a nice entryway. Um, And they were able to help define like different ways in which we receive pleasure. So from that, even though I knew, I then had the language to say, oh, I'm more of an energetic and kinky person. 
You know what I'm saying? So mm. we can sit here and have a conversation. I could feel your presence and I am turned the fuck on. Mm. I don't really need you to like lick in my ear. That's mm. just going to weird me out. Mm. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know, you could smack my butt with something. I'd like that. But, you know, so I think it's also about, to what you were saying, being open, having communication. Um, I'm a big proponent of mutual masturbation because mm. it's like, you here, I'm here, we both doing what we like to do and we're doing it together, but we don't have to touch each mm -hmm. other. So then we can learn what we like. And then I think it, then look at it as more of um, an opportunity to learn versus a burden. Mm. Um, and I and think tell, that, that could tell be really tell Boo fun. too, like, hey, you know, I'm really sensitive right now. Like, yeah. watch your words, baby steps, we gonna get there. Exactly. Let's Clean the house before you ask me for some cootie cat. Yeah. Really turn me make on. A bed. Uh, I'm, I'm, make I'm a bed. Make a bed. Order a Virgo. So he is so clean. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, dishes, <laughs> bed, scrubbing the floors, organization. I'm like okay. okay. I'm spoiled. Um, and as somebody who's not in a relationship, but I've been doing so much uh, research and putting a lot of energy into how to cultivate lasting love. Um, I think it's always about not being afraid to discuss the change in your needs. 1,000%. Right? We're ever-evolving beings. Yeah. Things change, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the taboo things that, I guess, um, hetero relationships have where the woman's like, oh, I'm feeling like he's not attractive and then the men find someone younger. It's because there's no discussion. Yeah. Things change. We need to heat things up. We're trying to do this forever. I want my kids to look at us and be like, damn, our parents really loved each other. They got on each other's nerves, but they had so much fun. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to do and change things yeah. along the way. It's not going to be the same shoe. And Men, no offense, y'all get kind of stuck in that same thing. You're yeah. like, this is this shit works. This shit works. <laughs> but guess what? I could teach you something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that said, Samia, thank you so so much thank for you letting your time so and your energy. Much. Thank you everyone for such a wonderful conversation. Roll up on us afterwards. We can still ask questions. Yes. Uh, drink, eat, and be merry. Be merry. Be merry. <laughs>